Man, when we do Fit Sundays and we bring all of this together, you're talking about the sum of many parts, but one body <laughs> to make these things come together. I just want to give it up for all the architects, the designers, the builders, Mr. Kelly, everybody who had something to do with this, because we felt as though today you needed a real visual. Pastor Joe already began talking about it, felt like there needed to be a real presence and a real visual to understand what God is truly doing in our life. Amen. Because some people may feel as though they're a finished house and some people may feel as though they're still under construction. (laughs) And I feel like God has a word for that today. And if you will pray at your seats and believe for the word of God, I I just believe that God is going to do his thing and he's going to speak it through me. As always, I just want to be able to open my mouth. Amen. So I want to read a scripture, a familiar scripture to you this morning. It's Jeremiah 29 and 11. And you can turn in your Bibles with this, but I'm going to go through it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I want to read that again. I want to read it amplified this time. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Somebody say amen. I want to read that again. <laughs> but I want to, I want, for all my KJV people, it's for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Somebody say an expected end. I'm going to read it one more time. <laughs> Somebody go get that on I-20. But I want to read it one more time, but I can't give you verse 11 this time but without giving you verse 10. This is the message version. It says, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Pastor, you already said it. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you future, the future you hope for. It said after, as soon as Babylon's 70 years is up. In other words, as soon as the oppressive years are up. As soon as depression is up, as soon as the slaving of your mind is up, as soon as all the confusion is up, as soon as you're trying to control everything instead of giving it over to me is up, God is saying, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do what I promised. But I love when he comes back because he affirms it. He said, trust me. If you trust someone, you you don't really need to know the why. (laughs) He said, trust me, I know what I am doing. I know you feel like you've been in the wilderness for so long and thought you were alone, but I didn't abandon you. 
It wasn't to harm you, but I'm trying to take you somewhere to the future you hope for. In other words, God is saying, teens, he's saying, I got plans <laughs> for your life. So can we talk about the blueprint today? Somebody raise a hallelujah if you're ready for it. Thank you. Now, to really grab this, I think you really have to understand practically about blueprints. I feel good this morning because I got both Oakleys in the house this morning, so I got some help in here. But I want to practically speak about blueprints. See, a blueprint is a set of plans, site plans or working plans, to provide us in how to construct and or build something. Matter of fact, blueprints are, they are a reproduction of technical drawings. That means that they actually have been drawn before technically, before they were printed out as the blueprint. Blueprint is a guide and or a plan for how something is supposed to be built in its final stages of construction. Get it? Want to make sure you're with me. See, within the blueprint, the plan and design tells us, tells and shows you how something is supposed to work, how it should function, or even how the completed model or building should look. The blueprint tells us what the designer envisioned and intended from the beginning before the design was even given provision to come into existence. I love this because the history of blueprints have allowed for the rapid and accurate production of unlimited copies of designs. Somebody say replicates. But an interesting and fascinating thing about blueprints is that you don't see imperfections in the blueprint, but you see a vision that has been perfected. See, on a construction site... It is expected for a copy of the blueprints to be left on site. I know why. This gives opportunity for those who are working on the building to review the plans to assure the works are not only going according to plan, but are exact replicates of the plan itself. See, when some people look at a blueprint, they may look only at how the building will look or how it's going to be constructed, while others find an interesting thought in how it will function or what specifications will come along with the building. Now, I want you to understand that specifications of a building, uh, the blueprint deals with the material that's being used, the, the installation technique. It also deals with the idea of the quality and the standard of the construction. Get it? You still with me? There are some interesting things about a blueprint that we can put in comparison to our spirit man. A blueprint begins with a vision. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, but he created man. He also created man and woman in his image and provided us with specifications to our design. In other words, our blueprint. Now, these specifications came by way of how and what we were made of, the material. The, the specifications went on in how we were being purposed and installed on this earth. That's the installation technique. And the quality and the standard of what we were purposed to do. 
Now, here's a backdrop to the story. Don't miss it. In the beginning, yes, God created the heaven and earth. And at the same time, on the sixth day, man was created as the crown and the goal of all God's creative activity. Now, the statement that's made in Genesis 1 and 26 begins with, let us. It is speaking of the relationship and the activity of the triune God, the three in one. It was talking about that, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's talking about the triune God's counsel as being a part of the redemptive plan and purpose for mankind. We're still moving. See, the image and the purpose of man was laid out in, at the beginning. When God said, let us make man his image, followed by Genesis verses 27 and 28, where it reads and says, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, God was saying here, here is my image, and here is what I've designed you to do. (laughs) Then he blessed it with a command and then gave us complete authority. Now, here we are in Jeremiah, (laughs) away from Genesis. In Jeremiah, God is still reminding us of purpose and his plan and his promises. And he's also continuing to remind us of our very own purpose and destiny. Now, somewhere, if you can agree, but somewhere along the lines, a conflict of the design set in. A conflict of the destiny set in. A conflict of our identity actually set in. Because what God, began, what God called us, we began to call and see ourselves differently. Anyone know what I'm talking about? See, this conflict even began in the garden when the devil shows up in the form of a snake in an environment that looks like he belongs. You got to catch that. It's significant that a snake in the garden, you may expect it. It looks like he actually belongs and he speaks to God's creation. Now, the serpent begins speaking to Eve in chapter 3, saying, you can eat that fruit, girl. Go ahead and eat that fruit. There's nothing wrong. God just, just, just knows that if you eat it, that you will become like him. Now, that, that's confusing. It should confuse someone or it should make you think because, think about it, God had already created them in his likeness. And in his image in chapter 1. Here we are in chapter 3 and the enemy said, God knows that if you eat that fruit, you're going to become like him. You got to get that. Thus, Thus you can understand how confusing it is for them to begin chasing something they already are. They were already like him, but because of the confusion, they begin to want to chase something that they already are. I hope you get that. Listen, God has already given us his image. He's already given us the authority, but the enemy begins tricking us to get outside the divine design of God, our original blueprint, and we end up giving away the victory that we already possess. 
Somebody say hallelujah. So why are we chasing something we already are? See, that liar, the devil, came whispering lies and inserting conflict in the design. You see, the enemy is creating conflict, and then there's another great adversary that partners with him. Is, and that adversary begins to make things worse if you don't have the understanding of who they are. See, their name is you, sometimes called us. Uh, the reality is, is many of us have lived our, our many years our own way. We, we've cre- we begin creating our own picture, making decisions that are about us and has nothing to do with the original blueprint of our lives. See, the conflict begins and becomes so great that you can read, you can view the divine design of God and not even see that you are part of it. See, one thing you must realize quickly in this is that the devil is a liar. <laughs> There's a story in the book of John that when Jesus, he was, he was speaking to the people about themselves and, and, and he was talking about the devil and he was saying, I'll share a little bit, because in John chapter 8, he's talking about the devil and he's, he's saying to the people that he was a murderer from the beginning. <laughs> he always hated the truth. <laughs> Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. What am I trying to say to you? That whatever the devil has whispered, is whispering, about to whisper to you, you can bank on it. That you can go ahead and do the mere opposite. (laughs) You can bank on it. Whatever he's whispering, whatever's being said, you can bank on it that you can go ahead and do the mere opposite and allow God to speak what is true in your life. Can I help you? Hey, the devil says uh, you're depressed. No, I'm success. Uh, The devil can tell you, you know what, Uh, you're beneath. Uh, No, uh, I'm on top. Uh, He can say that you're not good enough. No, the overflow from my real father and the salvation plan that he has for my life makes me enough. Come on. He say, no, uh, 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 the devil, he has to think then. He says, you know what? Uh, you're ugly. Uh, no, I'm, I'm wonderfully made and beautiful because especially since I was made in my father's image. Oh, and, and then he'll try to go farther like, wait a minute. Okay, I, let me see if I can get on that high nerve, that nerve that's up high. He says, you're hated. Uh, and you come back and say, well, maybe by people, but in Christ, I'm beloved. You're cursed. Uh, no, uh, I'm blessed. You can think the mere opposite, but I don't know about you, but you know what? An avatar just won't do it for me anymore, teens. <laughs> it just won't do it for me anymore. I, I want the original design. A, a selfie of me in this world would not even do it because I need the original design. That God sculpted, maybe I'm the only one that's happy, but that God sculpted from the depth of his heart when he made me in secret in his image. See, the Bible says that before we were born, God had a plan and a design for our lives, a certain way to live, a certain uh, person to become. So, 
the blueprint is vital to our spiritual man and success of life here on earth. Now, if you are going to be able to embrace God's divine design for your life, I just want to give you two things, one for each Oakley, just, just two things. That's all I want to do <laughs> is that number one, you, you have to become an open floor plan. See, everybody likes open floor plans, right? They, you know, you, know, you want to knock down this wall. You want to open it up. You know, I, I want to entertain. You watch HGTV so much, it becomes, it becomes like the Bible study for you or something. You on HGTV so much. Everybody wants an open concept, right? Well, let's talk about it. See, the open I'm talking about, I want to help you. In Proverbs 19.21, it said, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let me help you what you have to be open to. See, there's an important point here regarding purpose, because in order to find it, the it, what's that? Purpose. You must come to know the divine design of God. When you begin to understand the divine design of God, it's going to show to you the divine design of who? Yourself. You. See, the, the action we take to walk in the divine design of God, which is our blueprint, is what brings the fullness of his plan in our life here on earth, but you have to be open to it. See, we stated that a blueprint is a reproduction of a technical drawing. When we become an open floor plan for God, I want to show you what happens. One thing is true reproduction begins, but you have to be open to it. I want to show you this. There is something that has to be reproduced in you before it can be reproduced through you. I'm going to say that again. Something has to be produced in you before it can be reproduced through you. I wish I could get more into that. Let me help you. Have you ever been the person that continues to be asked to to do something or volunteer for things you're not good at? (laughs) I want to pick on my girl so much because I always ask her to do stuff. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't get up in front of people. I'm not going to pick on you. Have you ever? Like, you always get called, whether it's at your work whether it's at church, whatever it is, it seems like people ask you to do things or volunteer for things that you just feel like you're not good at, that, that you, feel, you just feel totally inadequate in doing. Well, I want to show you some people real quick. In the book of Exodus, remember Moses actually argued with God. Moses argued with God like God is saying, you're going to go to Egypt and leave my people out of there. He's like, who, me? Like, matter of fact, the Bible says that he said to God, he said, who am I that I should go? He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? He went on and said, who am I to lead the the people of Israel out of Egypt? And then he went an extra step. He said, God, look, I've never been eloquent with words. (laughs) I've never been eloquent with words. I'm not very good with them at all. I don't speak well. I have never been. He said, "And, and now, he said, and I'm not now. I've never been good at it, and I'm not good at it now. He went on, he said, and even though you're speaking to me right now, this is what he says to God, like, God, even though you're standing here speaking to me right now, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. 
He went on, he said, I am slow of speech and tongue. He didn't have too many excuses, but he was just trying to help show him what he wasn't good at. God responded, he said, who makes the mouth of people? (laughs) That's what he said to him. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether a person speaks or does not? Who decides a person to hear or do not hear or see or do not see? Is it not I? And then then the Lord goes on. He said, now go and I will be with you. Well, here's another person. Remember Gideon. Gideon felt too weak. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, if you want to reference it, at verse 14 and 15, the Lord asked Gideon, he said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He said, I'm sending you. But Gideon replied, "Uh, Lord, how can I rescue Israel? (laughs) My clan is the weakest clan in the the whole tribe of Manasseh. He said, and I am the least of my entire family. (laughs) He said, I am the least. But you have to think about it. If you go back to Moses, Moses even screamed out and said, Lord, send somebody else. (laughs) Not me. He said, send somebody else. Well, I want you to think about this because when God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, he was talking to a a guy by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah felt inadequate in being a prophet. He believed in God, but doubted that God could even use him. Come on, you got to get that. Maybe it's no church people that feel like that, but, but he believed in God, but he doubted that God could even use him. So now, now, there are some people focusing so much on their inadequacy that they can't tune in to the victory they already possess. Because if you pay attention, God continued to tell every single one of these individuals. He continued to, to call them and say to them, like, hey, don't be afraid. Like, I'm with you. Like, I'm here. I'm not going to leave you alone. I've called you to it. Go do it. He said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of your enemies. Isn't it amazing how God calls us to inadequacy, to places of inadequacy in our life? People, but people have a lot of different statements towards that. They, people are like, I'm, I'm too old. Uh, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm too young. I'm, I'm too tired. Uh, we just have too many twos. <laughs> I, I'm too of something. But just because, I got this this morning, just because God anoints you and calls you to something doesn't mean you're ready for it. I want to let that sit in. See, just because he called you to it, it doesn't mean that you're ready for it. I, I want to give you an example. I don't know. I don't know if you noticed this before, but when David was called into the house after all his brothers had been interviewed and then he was anointed king, he was not immediately placed on the throne. I don't know if you noticed it. He actually went back to attending sheep. A matter of fact, as David is being summoned by God, into position as king, the current king, Saul, was actually having his own situation where the spirit of the Lord had left him. Now, David didn't say, turn down for what? Let's go. 
He didn't say, oh, I'm the king now. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. He didn't say that. David went back to something that he knew, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He went back to tending sheep. He didn't get stuck in the moment of that call, not that he ran from it, but if you understand the humbleness of it, how he received it, and what he went back to doing. Now, what he went back to doing actually armed him and girded him up and and developed him in order to be able to step into that calling that God has spoken. Get it? See, just because he called you to it and you say, I'm inadequate, does not God prepare people for what he called them to? Will he not Whatever he called you to, will he not bring you through it? Will he not educate you? Will he not lift you up above that low, above that inadequacy so that you can perform what he's called you? I want you to get that. You see, some people are unable and unwilling, and and some people are willing, uh, but uh, I say this a lot, but not able. And some others are able and not willing. Now, you have to know that willing and able are cousins. And the only way they can come together is that God does it. Get it? <laughs> See, and, and some are like Moses pleading and saying, God, please send somebody else. Will we sit on our blessing when God is trying to build us? We have to be open to it. But I want to tell you this. God is looking for some people who are open to the calling like David, who will show up and ask the question, what will a man get for killing this Philistine that defies the kingdom of Israel? Someone who will look straight into the enemy's eyes and say, who does this pagan Philistine think he is anyway? What am I talking about? I'm talking about those giants in your life. I'm talking about he's looking for someone to say, hey, they're running from it. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like God has called me to that yet. No, God is saying you have to look that giant in the eye and say, who do he think he is? (laughs) Defying, right, the living God. Uh, It comes to some point where you have to tell Saul, the Saul in your life, because Saul came to David when David was going to take on the giant. And he said, put this on. He, he was giving him the armor. But I love what David did because I believe that this is what you have to do in your life. You have to look that way because David looks at the armor and he said, hey, Saul, I know, I know this, this is considered the best armor and you the king and all. And, and this is supposed to be good. And, and you know, this, this armor worked for you. you it's, been battle, it's been battle tested and all that. But look, Saul, I throw rocks, okay? Uh, this doesn't work for me. I can't fight in all of this. He says, and my rocks are going to allow me to keep a distance from the enemy and play to my advantage. See, Saul, what am I saying? I'm saying that David understood He understood what he could do. He didn't put on Saul's armor and say, I'm going to run away from who God called me to be, and I'm going to put on somebody else's armor because just in case I fail. (laughs) Did anybody get it? Sometimes we want to make failure easy. Uh, We want to make failure feel better than what it really is. But I hate to bust your bubble, but failure is failure. You just need to fail forward. The whole deal is he didn't do that, but David took off Saul's armor and he put on the armor to fight with that God gave him. Now, what do we have to do? What does this have to do with the blueprint? What I'm trying to get you to understand is as a man thinketh, so is he. 
When it comes to building, you've got to go back to the original blueprint. In this case, you have to do something old before you do something new. You got to preach that. I don't have time to deal with it, but I know we talk about old wineskin, new wineskins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sometimes in order to move forward, you've got to take two steps back and evaluate. That's why Paul was always saying that I consider. That means that, you know what? He may not, he was confident in walking into it, but didn't mean that he wasn't afraid, but he considered. What was he considering? He was considering the fact that who was with him. He was considering the fact that what God had already done in his life, he could, he, 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 he could consider the fact that he wouldn't be let down, that he wouldn't fail, so he would walk into it. I want you to get this. So you have to be open to it. But the next thing is this. Renovation is necessary. I know they got a new show in Dallas called No Demo Reno. Uh, <laughs> y'all probably watching it. But I want to tell you, renovation is necessary. In Isaiah 64 and 8, it says, And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Renovation is necessary. See, some people want the beautiful finished building, but don't want the renovation. And anytime they get in a culture that feels like they're going to renovate me, <laughs> they flee. We want the, the, the beautiful building. But I want you to understand this. Once a building is built from the original blueprint, there are some things in the building that will and still require maintenance. You see, as the building ages, it may even require renovations. But even before you can renovate a building, don't miss this, you still must go back to the original blueprint. You can't renovate without going back to the original building. There has to be some knowledge of its original engineering or the renovation of the building may or will cause it to collapse. Sometimes we're working on things, but we haven't looked at the design. We're trying to work on ourselves, which is one mistake, but the second mistake is we're, we're doing it our way. We're not going back to the original design, and we wonder why life collapses. I want to help somebody. We sing songs of God molding us. He's the potter, and we are the clay. But have you ever realized that he's actually not trying to mold you into something different? Did you get it? He's not trying to mold you into something different. He's actually trying to mold you into your original design. He's trying to mold you into who you are. In other words, he's trying to mold you into what you already are. It's like God is asking us individually, have you ever met you? That wonderful thing that I made. Because it's hard to look at you when, you, when you're like this, sometimes it's easier to look at when it's the finished copy, but what is going on in the middle? See, you see, a renovation refers to restoring something to its original state. Some people want to remodel, but remodel and renovation are two different things. 
See, renovation is restoring, but remodel is just you go out and get something new. Uh, you know, you, you remodel, that means making something new. But when you are being renovated, God has to reach down into his tool belt for some things in order to prep you, to renovate you. Come on, worship. I believe one of those important things is a chisel. See, a chisel is used for carving, cutting, and shaping, get this, hard materials. <laughs> Sometimes we're hard-headed. It, it, it's for hard materials. Chisels have two main purposes, breaking up materials and moving shavings from a material. There was a quote by Michelangelo, I'm just going to read it, that said, every block of stone has a statue in it, and, it's, and, and it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. I want you to catch this. My grandmother used to say it to me like this, that there's something on the inside working on the outside that's going to bring about a change in your life, son. That's what she would say. See, but most of the time what happens is that we're so busy nurturing the giant in our life. But we're nurturing a giant sometimes that God is already done with. He's already killed it. We keep doing CPR on it, reviving it. We keep going back to it. God is like, look, I'm doing something new, but the new thing is modifying your thinking and removing the conflict in the design. So you can clearly see the original blueprint. I'm going to close with this one. I believe this is a vital tool right here. I like this one, so I got to take the hat off. God has to reach down his tool belt, and he grabs this thing called sandpaper. Man, this blessed me, and maybe we can preach it together on the phone or something, but sandpaper, say it, sandpaper. I want you to get this. Let me show you this. Sandpaper is essential. It's an essential tool when it comes to sanding an area or a surface in order to make it smooth out in preparation for painting. I'm going to say it again. It smooths out the surface in preparation for painting. Why is that significant? Because we are the canvas in which God chooses to paint his story. This is why we must tap into the divine design of Christ because this is why on a construction site, remember I said that a, the plans have to be left on site. I don't care if it's in your iPad or you have your Bible with the pages in it, but there has to be a blueprint that's left on site. I'm talking about on the construction site of your life, there has to be a copy of the blueprint that remains so that the image you were created in can be reproduced in you. Come on, stand to your feet, because I want to read this. God is speaking in the book of Isaiah. God is speaking to some stubborn people. He's speaking to these stubborn people. He was trying to lead them to freedom from where? Where we started. Babylon. He was trying to lead them to freedom. I want to show you what he said. He said, long ago, I told you what I was going, what was going to happen. 
then suddenly I took action. And all my predictions came true. He said, for I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Obstinate meaning that no matter how I try to persuade you, no matter how many times I told you, no matter how many times I say it, for some reason you still stick to your own opinion. Obstinate you are. He said, your necks are as unbidding as iron. Your heads are as hard as bronze. And then it says, this is why I told you what would happen. I told you beforehand what I was going to do. Then you could never say my idols did it. <laughs> you couldn't say that my, my wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. He said, you, you have heard my predictions and seen them fulfilled, but you refuse to admit it. Now I tell you new things, secrets you have not yet heard. I believe that God is trying to expose us to who we really are. We can't lose faith. That's why we need hope, because hope fuels your faith. Come on, prayer team. I believe this is so amazing when God gave this word, the blueprint, your design. If you go back to the beginning when people were fighting to figure out that when the, when, the enemy, when the enemy talked about the fruit, they began to chase something they already were. Well, I want to press into you that we can stop that now. We, we, we have to begin to understand who we are in Christ. And Father, we just pray. And we just magnify your holy name, Lord. Only you can help fix the identity crisis. Only you can fix the problem with the the design, the conflict in the design. God, we are looking to you to manifest yourself, to bring about a breakthrough in our understanding of what you started, you will finish. <laughs> what you started, God, you will finish. Where are your vessels, Lord? And we need your blueprint, your design, your divine design for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah in this place.